0: Um, I think ever since I was little, I wasn't satisfied with just life in general. I was very much a dreamer, a thinker, a philosopher, a general know-it-all. Um, so, um, my daughter thinks I'm Hermione, which I have better hair, but, um.
1: Hi, I'm Providence. And I'm Jessica. Today we'll be talking about growth and other things relating to growth. Uh,
0: yes, so uh, Providence has been asking me to come up with a subject for our first podcast. And um, a friend and I had this conversation about a week ago, um, specifically about growth, and it gave me our subject. Um, he had mentioned that we had talked a couple of years ago about um you know personalities and gifts and and all that stuff. and um, he was in a new line of work, and he was really kind of overwhelmed about the whole process of learning the whole system, learning how to do things. Um, he just really was like a fish out of water. And he made a journal entry and recently went and reread it. And in it he had taken one of the tony Tony Robbins assessments and it said that one of his highest values was growth, and that started me thinking, because growth is also one of my high values, Um, I think ever since I was little, I wasn't satisfied with just life in general, I was very much a dreamer, a thinker, a philosopher, a general know-it-all, so um, my daughter thinks I'm Hermione, which I have better hair, but... (laughs) Um. Anyway, so Providence has compiled a few questions that we're going to go over um, about growth and so Providence, go right in.
1: So I'm just wondering what you experienced growth-wise while you were growing up. What substantial things do you remember growing in while growing up?
0: Hmm. That's a good question um, my daughter doesn't like it when I say "hm" or um.
1: It's fine we can edit it out but I won't editing edit out point.
0: the funny parts is you know, not so fun so, which is
1: why I won't be editing this out you're welcome. <laughs> um, I
0: would say probably the area that I struggled in the most um, was learning piano um, it was something that I started when I was seven years old um my mom had thought that I had a natural aptitude for for piano so she started lessons for me and I decided as soon as I started that I hated it and she said well I want you to try it for a year so I said okay a year passed I still thought I hated it and she said no which I still feel like she should have kept her promise and was very much you know very wounding for me at that time Um, but I got better, as one does when you practice every day um, but I think the biggest struggle for me um, in playing keys, playing piano, I, of course I studied classical, um, was the performance aspect. Uh, playing in front of people was extremely difficult and it didn't matter how much I practiced, it didn't matter how comfortable I was with the piece, as soon as I got in front of people and started playing for them, um, my nerves would be so bad that I would be literally shaking as I was sitting down at the piano. There would be these times that I would be halfway into the middle of a piece and I would literally forget what note I was to play next. Um, There was this one recital I had when I was about 16 and um, I think I was playing a medley of uh, Yesu, Joy of Man's Desiring and I literally forgot where I was and um, I had to improvise oh, no. for at least four measures, but nobody could tell except my music teacher. So, um, probably for years in the area of music and performance, uh, that was a really big struggle for me, In the er- an area that I really had to grow. I had to do things that I didn't want to do. I had to do things that I was very uncomfortable with. Um, so, I would say, I mean, that's really applied... To many areas of my life since then, Um, just because I'm uncomfortable or just because something is hard doesn't mean it's something that can't be done by me and be done well eventually.
1: That was so good. (laughs) Okay. Um, Let's continue that with where have you experienced spiritual growth?
0: Like as in... Locations on the earth?
1: Yes, no. <laughs> um, when I say spiritual growth, I mean like... Where have you grown with God and subjects pertaining to?
0: Um, I think that, of course, is a really long subject that we'll have to continue at a later date. Um, but um, I have been wanting trying to follow God since I was uh, six years old um, for many many years from for me um, I can't say that I had a really good picture of what God was really like I thought for some reason that God died for everyone um, of course I'm, I'm a Christian I thought that Jesus died for everyone and therefore I just was included because not because of my own worth but because I was just included in the masses basically mm-hmm. like I I scooted in and I made it but he didn't think I had any worth worth dying for. I, I, I did not believe that if it had been just me that Jesus would have died specifically for me um, and that just had a lot to do with how I saw um, God and as I learned in the future how we see God is very much related to Um, our relationships with our parents um, and how we see our father how we see our mom um, because I don't think that that God is particularly um, male or female I think he's both Um, so so that is a good reason why um, our parents really affect how we see uh, the father and what he's like
1: well how would you describe God for those out there that might be still thinking things like that
0: Um, that's a very good question. Um, how do I see God? It really depends on the moment. Um, I mean, if you're talking about philosophy, like, do I see that, think that he's like this, um, big old guy that sits in this big chair in this big room? (laughs) There are times, yeah, that I, that I see him like that. But, um, most of the time I think of God as, um, The person in whom all matter and the universe and everything that exists, exists in. I don't mm-hmm. think of God as something apart from humanity or the universe. I think of God as as the person who is other, the person who is um, the creator of all, and the thing, again, and the, the person in whom... Everything that we know resides in. I think that he is closer than a breath. I, I think that the spiritual and the natural like coincide all the time. Um, so it can be as, um, you know, historical as thinking of him in like an iconic type, or as simple as knowing that he's with me and the butterfly I see on my walk. All right.
1: Have you experienced a lot of social growth, like could you explain the social barriers you've had to break down or like walls that you have previously built up that you had to break up, break down again?
0: Um, I've always been pretty, pretty open-minded. Um. That, that one's a hard hard one for me because I don't really think of social parameters in the same way that, um, that most people do, especially most Americans. Um, I pretty much stayed sequestered in my room or outside most of my growing up with tons and tons of books. So I was exposed to a lot of things in a um, literary fashion, so I was around a lot of different thoughts, a lot of different ideas um, exposed to a lot of different types of people. Um, Now in my lifetime I have been around so many different kinds of people, um, rich and poor, and um, all different kinds of races, all different cultures. Um, So I wouldn't say, I've always been open to understanding a person other than what the stereotype says that they're supposed to be. Um, My go-to core value when it comes to people in society is that I can really only judge somebody based on um, the individual Mm -hmm. and not on um, what society says they're supposed to be. Um, I think you can have a smart rich woman and you can have a smart poor woman I mean there really is many many categories that we'd like to make um, but my best my best mental process when dealing with everybody is that I have never met this person before and I want to get to know them
1: another question is could you describe your job to everybody which one your main one, the one that you gain income from.
0: Okay, so I am a realtor um, that is a real estate agent that um, is also licensed with the National Association of Realtors. And I know nobody knows really what that's talking about except other realtors. Um, it just means it's a bunch of licensing and I have to pay them money.
1: Okay, could you explain or talk us through some of the hurdles that you've had to jump through while learning to do your job?
0: Um, my biggest hurdle that I have had to jump through in learning my job has been me. That has been um, my biggest struggle because um, I am naturally an extreme introvert. Um, I don't know that my clients really know that about me. Um, I'm, I'm most comfortable walking in the woods, thinking about deep things. Um, I am not comfortable in groups. I am not comfortable uh, having small talk. Um, I am not comfortable saying something without thinking about it first. So this podcast is a very interesting thing, but I think it is coming more easily because as a realtor, I've had to learn how to just open my mouth and let stuff fall out.
1: Um. Could you explain how you expand your brand, how you're expanding your brand currently and just st- the process and whatever mental toll it may have been taking on you or may continue to take on?
0: Um, uh, expanding my brand. How catchy. Um, that is... I'm still trying to formulate what that's supposed to look like. Of course, I do a lot of research. I read YouTube you know read books about like what that's supposed to look like but um, when you boil it down in essence for me what I want to do as far as expanding my brand is I want to figure out how to define who I am and what I bring to the world around me so h- how I define that um, how I communicate it how I market it that's still something I'm learning how to do um, for example um, the town that I live in is um, very small town America. Um, it is cute and old fashioned and um, wonderful and difficult and very, very beautiful. We live in Northeast Oklahoma um, at the base of the Ozarks and the, the land, the terrain, the people, they're all very beautiful. Um, but there's a lot of things that come into play in small towns and that is is that um, it is very easy to have a thought pattern um, stay in an area so somebody can believe a specific thing and if you say it often enough and enough people agree with you then it is that way that basically you create what you speak so in my small town a lot of people think well it's not going anywhere the market value isn't very good Um, it's poor, people die early, um, it's just, it's not, it's not worth living here. Um, but me as a, uh, a transplant, I see stuff entirely different. Um, I've lived in several places and I know what poverty looks like all over the place. It pretty much looks the same. Um, there are poor people everywhere you go, um, you're going to see drugs, you're going to see um, struggling school systems, you're going to see um, the divide between the poverty class, middle class, and upper class. Um, that is a norm. That is humanity. Um, but I think that part of our job in being on this earth and being present you know, day to day is about okay, so, so what is the higher truth? What do we, what do we need to bring to this area? Um, and one of the ways that I do this, and this is part of expanding my brand or marketing my brand or whatever, um, is that I like, um, photography. I like beauty and I like finding it in unusual places. So, um, I've tried to make, Basically, what I am trying to do is that in, in rare moments and rare places, I'm trying to catch catch pictures, catch beauty in the area that I live and then um, put them in front of people um, and, and people will say, oh, well, what is that? I was like, oh, you know, that's that bridge over that creek down by, you know, the hollow and they will like, oh, yeah, I remember that and... Wow, you made it look so good. I'm like, no, I didn't. I just took a picture of it. Um, so sometimes when when you're in an area for generations, you start seeing things through your generational glasses, and sometimes those glasses are broken.
1: That's me clapping. Oh. Okay. Next question. Parenting. You're a parent. Yes. Indeed. How do you believe that you affect your family?
0: For the good. <laughs> um... I don't know. That's kind of, um... That's a good question for all parents and it's something that they are... that Well, good parents should always be asking themselves. Um... My biggest role in my life is being a wife and a mother and even though I'm a businesswoman um, the thing that I'm going to be the most proud of when I get older when I start having um, grandchildren or great-grandchildren or start seeing the effect the real effect of my um, role on my community is um, I'm going to look back and think you know did I do right by my children did I Um, they are the ones that I leave behind. They are my legacy. Everything that I sow, that I plant, um, I'm going to be reaping in them, like genetically, spiritually. Of course, they are responsible for themselves, but I am responsible for myself. So the choices that I make directly impact my husband and my children. Um, So whether it comes to my attitude and what I say or you know how much intentional time I can spend with them how I can relay my values how I can encourage them to be creative all these things um, that that is going to bear to bear witness about who I really am as a person and my mark on on this world because I'm sure that I impact a lot of people when it comes to my clients and the people that I work with day to day, my team, um, my, my colleagues, this is the people that I run into at Walmart, I'm sure that I affect them, but the people that are the most important to me um, are my husband and my children.
1: Um, how has your family affected you, both positively and negatively? Um, my,
0: There really is no negative way that um, my family has affected me. Um, I would say it's like a, my family, both my husband and my children have been very formative in making me who I am. Um, when that comes to my, my husband, um, I'm married to an absolutely wonderful man, and I'm very lust to say that because I, I didn't grow up with um, a whole and healthy family so before I married him I was really concerned that I was going to make a mistake um, but we've been married 17 years and um, I have to say the, the number one lesson that I have learned from being married to Adam is that um, The person that you love the most can hurt you the most but you have to choose to be vulnerable every day and it takes two to tango and you have to choose that other person every day and that comes at at a cost but it's a very very good cost Um, I used to say I don't know if I ever said it to my roommates but (laughs) um, I used to think it like most my roommates seemed to be in college, yeah. seemed to be, um, like wanting this perfect package. They would, they would, the whole, uh, list. The whole, the whole list, all the, they had numbered everything. But in my mind, I was like, well, you, you don't really want the perfect package. I and mean, if you actually want to get married, you actually want to become with that other person, the, the whole package, the, a unit like I'm probably not describing this very well but I
1: think you're doing fine
0: <laughs> um, I think that everybody needs to be healthy and complete in themselves before they uh, get married to somebody else of course that's lovely and that's an ideal and um, it's almost impossible
1: how you've described it to me is Make sure that you are okay with the level of broken that you are, because you're going to marry someone with the equal measure of brokenness.
0: Yeah, and that's actually something that your daddy says, and oh, really? he, he told me. And um, one joke we used to have um, with each other was like we felt like we both married up, but in different in different aspects. So um, I I could not. I could not, and of course, I started off as this, and maybe a lot of, um, maybe a lot of women do. I started out as thinking, "Yeah, he got a catch," <laughs> but, but as time wore on, and I actually saw myself a little bit more honestly, I would definitely agree with what he said because I brought in the same level of junk and brokenness as he brought into the relationship. And then, as far as kids go, kids are. They are the most difficult and wonderful and trying and hellish and heavenly thing that a person a person can experience.
1: Yes, that describes me perfectly.
0: Mm. So, um, you know, you're, I'm sure m- many of you have heard your mother say something like, Well, I hope that you marry somebody just like you. Um, that's interesting because the the kids that i usually have the most difficult time with are the ones that are the opposite of me um you know for for example like providence was always really difficult providence is the host um because she was like when she was born when she came into the world and she started really showing up as the person that she is um she was like this bouncy ray of sunshine and rainbows and unicorn Wee. farts and i was like this you know serious morose philosopher and very logical <laughs> she was and a wizard. reasoned and reasoned and providence only thought in intuition and feelings and and how to explain logic to a five-year-old <laughs> was um literally impossible so I had to start getting better at showing my feelings um, and even even if it was messy. like I'm I'm typically very controlled. so it's very difficult for me to show you something that's not complete. So with um, with Providence, I think our relationship really started growing when I started showing her um, my messiness. Would you agree?
1: Yes, I would mm-hmm. actually. Because you seemed like a robot. Or at least to my teenage hormonal angsty brain, it was like, wow. She's unfeeling. She's a brick wall.
0: (laughs) Right, and then from my perspective, Providence was like... um, A sponge. (laughs) No, no, you were more like a, a Nerf Gatlin gun with your feelings. And the reason that I was being so robotic was because I was trying to control my panic. Like, you would, like fire at me with all the stuff and the things and the feelings and i'm actually quite empathic but it would always feel like um i was being bludgeoned to death with either the storms or the sparkles
1: (laughs) i apologize for that by the way it's okay how would you describe micaiah the middle child um i think micaiah is still
0: still forming I mean of course everyone is but Nikaya, um, I feel is intellectual but also um, extremely um, instinctual
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, I don't think that she's quite she hasn't worked her way through some logical processes in her brain to come up with um, okay I start with A, and I end in Z. I mean, she's still a little bit all over the place, but um, she is only 12. Um, And I really appreciate the fact that she is very, I mean, she is kind of wild, but she is very balanced in um, basically left brain to right brain. And what I mean by that is intellectual versus creative.
1: How would you say she's affected you and made you adapt as a parent?
0: Um, I'm still learning my way through that. I think she's kind of my... Um, I've just been asking God, you know, what do I need to work on next? And and how do I need to connect? How do I need to um, feed her? All right.
1: Now, let's continue on to the next obvious point. Eben, the last child. That's really, really unfair, because he's very much still developing. But explain to us what you, how you would describe him. Um,
0: Eben is my little wild man. And I am still trying to figure out how to be his mom. Um... I think that I, I am so grateful that I have Adam because mm-hmm. Evan is a very kinesthetic, and by that I mean physical, very very physical child, and he his emotions and how he navigates the world um, basically like feed his energy, and he has to like um, it has to pour out of him some somehow, whether that's um, Fighting, you know, imaginary soldiers out in the woods or climbing trees or, you know, fighting his dad or, well, I mean, wrestling, stuff like that. Um, it's it's kind of like trying to, to cage a bear. Um, but at the same time, he has an incredibly soft heart. And I have learned from being around many men that. Um, men usually have way more sensitive and tender hearts than women do (laughs) and I think that um, it's culturally more permissible for a woman to be open with their hearts and it's less culturally permissible for a man to process and be open with his heart so in this day and age how to parent my son
1: Um, it's going to be a wonderful experience. (laughs) Alright, so we're nearing the end of the podcast, but I have a couple more questions. So, this is a very difficult question that may be lengthy, but here we go. How did you get to where you are currently? Like, what are the big stones of this pops up in my head, let me tell you about this now, that really impacted me to become who I am today? Um, I think that
0: one of the biggest markers for my life, um, I've always been a very independent person. Um, I, I do not like to, um, cast blame on anyone, um, or anything or any circumstance. However, um, it's very, it was very easy for many years to kind of feel like life happened to me or difficulties happen to me and of course I mean that's normal like life Mm -hmm. happens life is what it is I mean it is very difficult it is hard we're not born into perfect families we're not born into healthiness all of us Um, many of us are born um, with much much less than others many of us are born into abuse but I think one of the most formative times was when I realized that the only person that I could control on a good day was me and that came from um, listening to uh, Danny Silk out of Bethel talk about um, just talk about like psychology and boundaries and what whatnot um, but that was extremely important because. I would either feel like the world was against me and that I could not succeed or I would feel that um, I needed to carry everybody else's responsibilities. Yeah. And when I learned that I was responsible for me and that everybody else was responsible for them, I think I started seeing some real breakthrough.
1: That is awesome. Okay. Sorry, (laughs) anyway, um, so last question, where are you currently, what, how would you describe you are currently in your life? I'm currently in Oklahoma. Really? I had no idea. Would you like to elaborate? Yes.
0: Um, I think I'm still on a journey I don't think I do think that I'm in the healthiest place that I've ever been I can genuinely say that I like myself I can genuinely say that I see success and when I and when I say success what I'm saying is like I think that I will continue to grow I think that our family will continue to grow together. Um, I think that all these endeavors that I'm working on, I I will see better and better. Um, I I feel still like I'm a bit of a, in an incubation period, Um, but I'm no longer, I'm no longer in such a severe place of brokenness that I can't see that there's actually
1: life happening. That was actually really cool. And you're very much better than me at describing things like that. And for that, I really do respect you. Thank you, Annie. So thank you guys for listening to this podcast. We hope you have an amazing day and we will see you whenever the next episode comes out. Do you have anything to say? I look forward to this. See you soon. Goodbye.